It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Heat followed their usual script of tough defense and poor shooting, but discombobulated in the fourth quarter and a loss sends them limping into the All-Star break having dropped to seventh in the East standings. Was it just a matter of a tired team looking ahead to the break or a sign of worse things to come? And is trading Jimmy Butler during the offseason a possibility? We break it all down and answer your questions on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, David, the Heat lost again when making single-digit three-pointers. They have 14 such games this season. They have lost eight of those games, including this 116-105 to 105 loss in Brooklyn. The Heat went just 8 of 28 from three-point range, despite Duncan Robinson playing his first game in more than a month since coming back from surgery. Meanwhile, the Nets shot 17 of 39 from three-point range, outscoring the Heat by 27 points from distance. Look, it's just hard to win games like that. Uh, in the year 2023. And after being the NBA's best three-point shooting team last season, the Heat rank among the NBA's worst this season. And with just 23 games left after the All-Star break, time is running out to turn things around. So, David, is there anything Eric Spolstra can do at this point to turn the Heat's three-point shooting into a strength? I don't think it's up to Eric Spolstra, no. I think it's just the players. Uh, I think they're being guarded a little bit more closely than they were last year because of that three-point shooting being at such a high rate. I think that you've also got a problem with Jimmy Butler not being able to score as effectively or efficiently. He's not drawing defenses as intently as he did last season. I think there's still the threat of Jimmy Butler, but I don't think it's as dangerous as it has been in years past. And I think you're also playing a roster that's limping right now without Tyler Hero, without Kyle Lowry, uh, without Victor Lodipo. There just aren't a lot of legitimate threats in terms of attacking the basket and spreading it out to floor out to the the perimeter to knock down shooters. I don't know that Miami has those shooters either. Uh, you know, again, without Hero, you don't have a legitimate yeah. three-point threat. Duncan Robinson coming into the night's game for the first time since January 2nd, he was not particularly great uh, as a three-point shooter anyway. Max Strews had a little bit of bounce back game offensively, that's fine. But still, it's just a combination of things. I, I just I don't know what Spo can do. I don't think he can help those shooters knock down those shots. They're getting fairly open looks, but you know it's it's a kind of mixed bag there. And I know that's not exactly a, a direct answer, but I think that's just a reality. The knock the yeah. open shots aren't falling, the contested shots aren't falling the way they did last year, and, and that's problematic for Miami. The biggest thing is that the open shots aren't falling, but. The Heat haven't been doing a great job of generating open looks either. Cleaning the glass has a stat that basically measures a team's expected field goal uh, rate 
um, percentage um, based on the shots that they're getting. And Miami ranks among the worst in the league in expected field goal percentage too. And so like the reason for it is because Miami has become so over-reliant on mid-range shots. And so mid-range shots are the least efficient shot in basketball. So you look at the company that Miami's keeping at the bottom of the rankings and uh, expected field goal rate, and it's really good mid-range teams like Brooklyn for most of the year before they traded all their guys. Phoenix, who of course have Chris Paul and Devin Booker, who who worked at mid-range area. Teams like that tend to Chicago with DeMar DeRozan. Like these are the teams that rank in that area. And then there's other just really bad offenses that rank in that area because they're not good. Uh, Miami is this hitting this sweet spot of having a bunch of really good mid-range shooters or two really in Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and also being not very good offensively. So um, as opposed to teams like Brooklyn for most of the Quite a sweet Phoenix. spot. A bitter sweet spot is more like it. Yeah. <laughs> bitter sweet spot. So look, even tonight, they took 25 mid-range field, uh, field, field goal attempts compared to 27 three-point field goal attempts, uh, or I'm sorry, 28 three-pointers. They shot um, 25 shots at the rim, They and they didn't shoot an awesome percentage there either. But it's just, you look at their shot distribution every single night, and it's, hey, bam, make those 15-footers from the free-throw line. Jimmy, take those contest, make those tough contested turnaround mid-range shots and things like that. Um, I don't know what the Heat can do to juice the three-point shooting. Um, they need to find ways to generate better looks. Getting only 28 shots from range is not good. If you look at what Brooklyn did, they went 17 of 39. That's basically what Miami's target is, is 39, 40 field goal attempts from three-point range a game. You see Brooklyn doing it. Uh, Miami's not doing it. And I do think part of it is when that shot's not going in, they tend to veer away from it. I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, I don't really know the math behind it, but only taking 28 field goal attempts uh, from three-point range, it's just not a way to win in 2023. Well, I mean, I think it simplifies things for an opponent. I think it, uh, defensively, you could just say, well, I already know they're not going to knock down that three-point shot, first of all. And then when they stop taking it all together, well, you don't even have to worry about it. So you can kind of hedge a little bit, kind of yeah. lean into the to the restricted area. And that allows for when somebody does eventually wind up putting the ball down and trying to drive to the rim, well, instead of just getting past one defender, you have multiple defenders or at least bodies near and that area to contest it, those it, shots. Just quick, it, that's a great point, and that's why Miami shot 64% at the rim tonight is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's problematic all the way around. And There's no one legitimate offensive threat. Like, we just went through this in our recent recap against the Denver Nuggets. Like, you know, Nikola Jovic, and I guess Jokic, excuse me, Jokic. best player in the league by a, a fire amount, you know, a three-time likely MVP he commands so much of the defense and, and that he draws everybody in. He is the centerpiece there. And, and and Bam, as good as he's been this year, still not quite there or may not ever be at that level. He is starting to get the double yes. teams and even some triple teams here and there. And he does kick out. And I remember Eric Spolster saying after that, I think it was after the Denver game, maybe it was another game, where he, he, he said that the next level to Bam's development is finding those open kickouts. And he thinks that sometimes the Heat, don't find those kickout passes. Now, mm. I'll say this again. Maybe that's because the shooters aren't making shots. Bam and Jimmy are really reliant on that mid-range look. Like, that is, especially Bam out of bio, like, that is his bread and butter. He doesn't even really get to the rim all that much unless it's a wide-open dunk on a roll. Right. Uh, and so he's, it, like, 98% of Bam out of bio's offense is just that mid-range shot. He needs to create out of that. He's really good at finding cutters off of that, but I don't think he's as good at at kicking out the shooters I, but but maybe he's that's on purpose because he's like look why am i going to kick keep uh, kicking out to max drews gabe vincent haywood highsmith and kayla martin if they're not going to be making the shots i trust them more to make the shots if they're cutting than when they're 
then then they're beyond the three point line. And and you know that's how basketball players think. Like they're not thinking about the math. They're not thinking mid you know halfway through the third quarter. Hey, are we hitting our target number for three point attempts in this game? They just want to make the most out of every possession. And so I think it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg thing, isn't it? It's hey, if the Heat had better three point shooters, they probably would take more threes. But because they don't have good three point shooters, and they just don't, man. Like. I know Max Struess was good last year, but you look at for most of his career, even dating back to college, like he had, yeah. he's been an okay three point shooter, but he's never been an elite three point shooter outside of last year. Gabe Vincent, same thing. Caleb Martin, same thing. Haywood Heisman, same thing. Like these guys are not great three point shooters. So if you had Seth Curry or Buddy Heald or somebody like that out there, then maybe you would get them involved more in an offense and take more three point attempts because you trust them to make those shots. Yeah, no, it's a uh, well said. Uh, it, it's a, a difficult process. Look, I think also even where Bam operates most effectively at the, the you know at the free throw line, basically, you know that doesn't really allow for much spacing unless you have specifically have yeah. shooters in the corners, and that even that's gonna you know with that short corner being what it is, it's gonna allow those defenders again to hedge or maybe even like pressure a little bit on Bam, and then. They're able to close out if he does right. wind up close out, out distances and is far. Yeah. Yeah. So only so four, it's, it's only four right. shots from the corner tonight, too. That's an awful <laughs> number. Tucker, where are you? Yeah, and, and corner threes, like how many of them you generate is is usually a pretty good benchmark to judge how well an offense functioned on a night because those are the shots most offenses are trying to get is the corner three, that short corner, and at the basket. The Heat didn't get a ton of shots at the basket and they didn't convert a lot either. And they only took four shots from the corner compared to 13 for Brooklyn. Those are those benchmarks are are not ideal. That those are not marks of a good, efficient, flowing offense. And so, obviously, a big part of it sh- is no Tyler Hero, no Victor Oladipo, no Kyle Lowry tonight. That's a huge part of it, especially the no Tyler Hero part. He's so willing to shoot from distance, and he's so good at generating those looks and moving off the catch and without the ball and and finding those spots in the defense. But the Heat, I, I think, more than anything, to go back to the opening question, what can Eric Spolster do? I don't know that there's much that he can do. The Heat are winning games by just scratching and clawing. It's one of the reasons why they're in so many clutch games this year. Um, their offense is just bad on a lot of levels. And and but I think, you know, uh uh the the main reason is the lack of three-point shooting. And Should- I just don't know that the answer is on this roster, even with Duncan Robinson coming back. And it was helpful tonight. The spacing was a little bit better for portions of this game, but just not good enough. Well, now that he is back in the lineup, could we see some specific play calls where there's like a uh you know a, a kind of Line drive to the hoop, uh, going downhill for Jimmy and or Bam or anybody, and then kicking it out to Duncan Robinson in the corner because they don't run a lot of plays for corner shooters. It's almost always yeah. like, well, we get to the rim, and because we're somewhat undersized, but you're either going to get defended or we don't have a clear look at the rim, let's spray it out to the perimeter. And then by that point, again, allow somebody to close out a little bit more quickly. I just wonder if there is something spoken to in terms of designing more plays specifically to get you know shooters from the corners open looks because that might help their offense flow a little bit well it's a good point and uh it's something we can continue to monitor as duncan robinson gets back into the fold here obviously this is the last game before the all-star break there's 23 more on the other side of it but let's move on to blame pie how much blame pie does jimmy butler get for tonight and is there any excuse for being outplayed by mikhail bridges we'll talk about that next david but first tell the listeners about our sponsor Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway part of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. 
Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. You don't have to worry about that. Bet the under in Miami when it comes to three-pointers made, that's for sure. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well, so please do subscribe. Well, David, that smelly smell you smell is another smell of another smelly loss. It's time to hand out some blame pie. We'll start with Jimmy Butler, okay? Um, Four field goals made. Four of 11 overall did not attempt a three point shot, which usually he'll even put up one or two did not take any tonight. Uh, three rebounds, six assists, a minus nine, 13 points. We got to start there, especially when you consider what Mikal Bridges on the other end did. Jimmy Butler starting uh, or, or defending Mikal Bridges for portions of this game. Brooklyn uh, basically ran their offense to get Mikal Bridges hunting switches. Bridges ended up getting switched onto Max Struess and other players quite a bit, but he ended up with 45 points, a career high for him. He's already just sort of laying out after getting traded from Phoenix to Brooklyn. It's sort of his offense now, especially when he's playing like this. Um, so it's cool to see for him, but not great when the Heat are on the other side of it. He's 17 of 24. He scores 13 straight points in the fourth quarter, which basically broke the game wide open and ended up having 17 in that fourth quarter. Uh, eight rebounds, five assists. He was just awesome. He was the best player on the court. I am a big Mikael Bridges fan. I think he's awesome. I think he's going to continue to develop now that he has got more space to grow in Brooklyn. But there is no excuse for this if you're Jimmy Butler and you see somebody like Mikael Bridges go off and all you can muster is 13 points. Yeah, Bridges going off wasn't solely on Jimmy's fault, but he did not do enough offensively. Zero field goal attempts in the fourth quarter, only two points, period. Uh, and I know, again, he didn't come in until – Probably a little bit later than he should have, but he just he didn't have it going at all even earlier. Like I mean, four of eleven overall in all eleven of those field goal attempts in the first three quarters. So he probably wasn't going to be attacking the basket. I don't know that any player needs the all-star break as much as Jimmy does because it's clear he needs a little bit of a boost, a well-earned vacation. Uh hopefully he can reset, refocus physically, mentally, emotionally. But Look, David, what's no the denying. whole point of this regular he always says, Hey, I can turn it on and turn it off. I've got I know my switch, I know my limits and all these things. Like the whole point of him sort of just yeah. coasting. I, I keep saying this, he's he's going 55 and a 70 this entire regular season. The whole point yeah. of that is that you wouldn't be broken down in the fourth quarter of a game that was really important. So right before the all-star break, like if there was any time to sort of, you know, put the foot on the on the gas a little bit. It's when you have a week and a half off. He didn't even make the all-star game. So he's not like he has to worry about going to Salt Lake City and doing stuff there. Like, yeah. there's just no reason for this, man. Like, there's just no reason for this. And I think it, there, this is not the first time we've seen this from Jimmy Butler where he's so passive in the fourth yep. quarter. When, you know, you can afford to be passive if you're in the in the first quarter. 
even in the second quarter, even in the third quarter to a certain degree. But if you're the killer, if you're the closer, mm-hmm. you can't give me six, seven good minutes if you're Jimmy Butler. And, and to not take a single field goal attempt, there's just no excuse for it. No, you're right. Uh, look to to that same point. Bam had 14 points in the fourth quarter, uh, although by that point it felt like mostly the game was out of reach and he was yeah. just trying to work whatever magic he possibly could in the last few minutes of the game. But overall, Jimmy should have been more aggressive. And, and you know, it's a good point. I, I don't I don't know if there's something going on with Jimmy Butler. I, I don't know if he just felt, you know, maybe he still considers this a game that you don't have to turn on the juice for, or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe he is just hurt or tired or both. I don't, I, I don't, I don't have a clear answer. And I don't think Jimmy does either. I'm sure he'd say mm-hmm. something about wanting to do more, but the shot wasn't falling. And when he was getting to the rim, he wasn't, again, you know, he missed a couple of bunnies, like a uh, very uncharacteristically yes. bad game for Jimmy yeah. Butler. Um, uh, so after, not- after whiffing that wide open layup against, uh, was that the Nuggets? That was the last the game. Nuggets, right? last game yeah. Lane so I, I, maybe you're – look, I'm not saying you're wrong when you say that he's very much in need of the all-star break. I think that much has been clear. Like, he doesn't whiff on these shots, to your point. Like, these are shots he always makes or the shots at the rim. I have, I don't know the last time I saw him dunk, you know? He's got tired legs. And and my point He is, had a dunk tonight. He had a dunk tonight. Oh, did he? Like, I mean, All right. Yeah, he did. So it, it doesn't my, matter. My point like, overall, one though, of his is, four field goals, I mean, that's just not enough. If you're – if you're on, if you have tired legs now, then the Heat have a real problem. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'll, I'll if, if you've basically been coasting this whole regular season and now you're tired with 23 games left, I don't know. Maybe the All Star break is enough to 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 reinvigorate him down the stretch. Yeah. But I, I don't know how much confidence I have in that because even if he is reinvigorated, 23 games is. It's not a lot of games when you talk about movement in the standings, but it is a lot of games for a player to play. And he's not going to play all 23 games. We know that. And he'd have a few back-to-backs coming up that we can expect him to take off. But even so, why should I expect Jimmy Butler to be fresh in the playoffs? Maybe he will. Maybe I'm I'm just a sucker and and I'm just one of these idiots who doubt Jimmy Butler and then the playoffs come around and he just turns it on and he makes things like what I'm saying right now sound stupid. And I hope that that's true. But I, I, it is concerning. It is concerning oh. at this point. He's getting older, right? Like this isn't like a – that's sort of – it goes hand in hand. Right. And I'll piggyback off this. Like Miami dropping to seventh right now. They cannot afford to be a play-in tournament team. Like, I mean, if nope. they have any chance of getting it past the first round, they need that break in between the end of the regular season while the play-in tournament's taking place and before the first round series start. Because if they're playing – well, I mean, it's it's basically a done deal. I mean, if they're in the play, I have no confidence at this point that they might even be able to get past the playing tournament if he continues to kind of wow. wall in terms of his overall health. So it's not a great place to be. Wow. Even, even David Ramil starting to <laughs> lose some confidence here. It's crazy. No, I mean, Mr. Positive over here. Uh, no longer <laughs> after this one. All right. So Jimmy Butler gets a healthy portion of blame pie. The other people we have to talk, probably talk about is Caleb Morton. Not a great night for him. Um, one of three from three point range didn't really make much of an impact the way that you usually expect Caleb Martin. He got banged up in this game. It looked he like hurt. he hurt his hand, then got yeah. slapped in the jaw at one point. So elbowed we'll in the jaw. That was a slap. That should have been an offensive yeah. charge. And Mikhail Bridges drives into the lane, throws an elbow, knocks Caleb down to the ground, and then winds up converting basically a three pointer on a four and five defense. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That was. I, I'm not. He spoke couldn't have challenged it or anything like that, but it was pretty odd that led no to a three pointer too, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So what it was. He, he might, like, uh, after dumping the ball off, after colliding into Martin, he throws the ball out, then goes onto the the three point shot in the corner there and knocks it down because Caleb Martin was still on the ground, going, "Oh well, 
I'll see if I can feel my jaw after that. You know, I, I, it was a tough call. Uh, call rather. Underwhelming night from Jamari Bouye as well. After he's been impressed, uh, impressed. No, just he, three gets no he gets no. He gets no blind pie. No, I, I look. I, I'm with Bouye. you. I'm just. I'm just saying. You know, for tracking the Jamari Bouye story, this was an underwhelming night after some positive nights. And Haywood Highsmith, who has been a, a key rotation player for this team, especially with the injuries, he also took zero threes. Only three players took mo- or made multiple three play- uh, three pointers in, in tonight's game. Max Struess went two of nine. Gabe went three of nine. And then Duncan went two of seven. So, again, I'll repeat what I said earlier, David. You can't win basketball games like that in the year 2023. You just can't, especially when you've got one, two, three, four, five of your nine rotation players attempting zero three pointers. So, I want to give I, – I think Jimmy deserves no less than eight slices of blame pie. That's heavy and still well-deserved. Caleb, I think, gets at least one, which gives us one more left, and, and we can give it to – I thought I thought Max and Gabe were all right. I, I just – I and they ended up scoring 18 and 21 points, respectively. Did we go to Haywood Highsmith, who was underwhelming? I, I, I just – I give don't really know where to go Give one to Spo, and I'll make the arguments where I know how reluctant you are to do so with Spo. But uh, at a night when the Hawks are getting blown up by the New York Knicks, and the New York Knicks were seventh in the standings, and you know somebody's monitoring those standings, and I know he tries to play it off well, you know, horseshit sure, on sure. that. You know, you've got to try, you've got to start monitoring these things. Like if you want to yeah. play it off and be like, oh, we don't care, this ain't the big three, buddy. You got to make sure that you start monitoring those standings a little bit more closely. Somebody's got to go in there and say. Look, New York's beating the pants off of the Hawks. You've got to win this game. And again, I know some people have made this point also. The Nets, I still think they're pretty talented. And I think that was pretty evident tonight. But they're still mostly unfamiliar with one another. Like, they have a whole new starting lineup, except for Nick Claxton. Uh, You know, Cam Thomas, who had been incendiary, was tonight in limited stretches. He's coming off the bench. Royce O'Neal, who had been a starter, coming off the bench. So it's a very new team. There's no reason for them to have looked this fluid. And to your point earlier, for Bridges to look like an all-NBA-level player against a really, really good Miami defense, top five in the NBA, et cetera. So that falls on Spo, and I think he does deserve some blame for that. Fair enough. Well, with the heat falling in the standings, could it be time to pivot this offseason? We'll talk about what that could look like next here on Locked on Heat. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Reach Locked On Heat on Twitter, Instagram, email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. This question comes from J.M. Smooth, who writes in, Will the Miami Heat give Jamari Bouye a standard contract moving forward, and will they give Orlando Robinson a standard contract or rely on Yurtsevin and let Orlando Robinson go because they would have three bigs in Yurtsevin, Robinson, and Nikoljovic, who will come back after the All-Star break at some point. Mm. Um, all right, let's talk about it. So Jamari Bouye, like I said, underwhelming, but I think overall, I think the Heat have been really – Tonight, underwhelming. But overall, I think the Heat have been positive um, and encouraged with what he's been able to do. He's got some shake and bake to his game. He can get to the basket. Defensively, he's undersized. He's going to get mismatched and attacked a lot. But he's got quick hands. He had three steals the other night against the Nuggets. Um, So there's things you like there. Orlando Robinson, 
should at least be said, played basically a hair under four minutes tonight yeah. for for the Heat. I, I don't think Not that was much as a reflection on Orlando Robinson as it was just when Brooklyn takes Nick Claxton off the floor. They're basically playing five wings. And so I just don't think that there was any room for Orlando Robinson tonight. Like they, the Heat were playing lineups with basically Jimmy Butler or Haywood Highsmith at center for big stretches of this game. So I think it was just more of a matchup thing. And the Heat overall have liked what Orlando Robinson gives them. So in terms of what they're going to be able to do, I, I, first of all, I think they're going to monitor the buyout market. They have some time now. Bouye's got, what, a couple more days left on his 10-day contract. They can give him a second 10-day deal to figure out what they want to do there um, or give somebody else a 10-day deal and, and kind of stretch this out. They obviously have the all-star break to monitor what happens on the buyout market. So if somebody like Nerlens Noel or another veteran center, Alex Len out of Sacramento, I don't know, I'm just naming names who could be available. Um, that that could be something that, that the Heat explore. Um, or the other way is to just go ahead and, and if those options aren't out there or um, the the direction that he want to go in, they can always just say, you know what, Orlando Robinson, you're promoted to the 15-man roster. At that point, I think they would give Jamari Bouye Orlando Robinson's vacated two-way spot. I don't see Jamari Bouye going, making the 15-man roster this year. You know, I, I, I'm kind of leaning in the other direction. I, I feel like Orlando Robinson's had some good moments here and there. But if you're going to get Yurt Seven back and he's going to be back to full strength, I don't see any reason why you would entertain the idea of Orlando Robinson being a part of this roster. Like just the experience, the fact that he's played a lot of games, it's been mostly out of necessity rather than him dominating any one aspect. He, I think tonight's matchup, as you pointed out, it kind of highlights his biggest weakness is that he's a little too slow footed. He's a little too big and clunky out there on the floor as far as defensive spacing is concerned. And that being the case, like you don't really need him, and I just I, I know you're gonna you again maybe with, this is wishful thinking considering how tonight's game went. But let's say you go up against the Sixers uh, and Joel Embiid, you're gonna need a bigger body out there. But I mean that's so far in the in the in the you know so far in the distance you can't really plan that way ahead. And again, I don't think that you're getting anything significant more from Robinson that you would be from Yurtseven if he comes back again at full strength. So. I would I would promote Bouye over Orlando okay. Robinson. I know it's a good point, right? Yurtsevin's going to come back; he's going to need minutes, and you probably don't need Orlando Robinson as much. And if you do need him, he's got a couple days left on his two way contract, and and that's a break glass in case of emergency type of option, right? If Yurtsevin yeah. sort of reaggravates the ankle or whatever, uh, you think Bouye's done enough, even in that regard, because the Heat had two. They Bouye's 10-day contract is going to expire. They could give him another 10-day contract, and then after yeah. that, they can't sign him. You can't sign the same player to two 10 days in a single season. So then you make a decision. You either let him go uh, back to Sioux Falls or somewhere, and maybe another NBA team scoops him up, or you have to actually sign him to the regular roster. I'm not sure if two-way contracts plays into that. I think it does. Like, if you, if Orlando Robinson does get promoted, you could then go after – Bouye plays his second 10-day contract. I think you can give him the two-way contract, but I'm not positive on that. But um, I, I kind of feel like the Heat would just go in a different direction at that point and just go out and sign like a veteran perimeter player over Bouye. And, and if Bouye gets scooped up by another NBA team, I guess it happens. But I, I just don't really know what his function would be in a playoff setting at this point. And that's kind of what you got to think about if you're the Heat. No, yeah, it, it's a good point. Uh, I, I, you're right. I, I None of those options are ideal. Uh, I don't even think that, you know, any of the buyout players that currently available or are likely to be available are significant upgrades over either Robinson or Booyah. But this is kind of where you're at right now when you don't make uh, any kind of significant yeah. transaction at the trade deadline. You're kind of left <laughs> what, with slim pickings. 
One last point on this too is that the Heat obviously have Jamal Kane on that two-way contract. He hasn't really Ooh, been unsurprisingly part. played. Like I mean, uh, yeah. another reporter was asking me after the Denver game, like, why isn't Kane playing? Like, why didn't he play against the Denver Nuggets? And I, it's, it's just he's not ready, man. He's really raw. I think the Heat really like him and and his upside. He's just so raw. And look, again, well, one of your team why is would beat you... up and as exhausted looking I, as they I were guess, tonight. But... He can't provide a spark out there. Maybe, like, he... maybe. I do you think Jamal Kane wins this game for the Heat. I don't. Like, I think he does hey, something you, better than. When, I just think when you have Caleb, when you have Caleb and Haywood Highsmith out there, it's just like Jamal Kane at that point is a little redundant. To your point, maybe you give him some runs, see what happens. I, there's no, there's no, but, but he's also After getting a concussion I, and a sprained wrist during the same. I don't know that know. he got a concussion. Fair enough. <laughs> Caleb Barton should not be out there. The, you play Kane for a few minutes and let him. The you know, point being that uh, you could, if you're not that confident in Jamal Kane, which apparently the Heat are not right now, That's then you could always wave him and give Bouye the other two-way contract, which is what I was trying to say. But yeah. uh, let's move on to this final question. It comes from Digital Space X one on Twitter, who writes in, Ooh. Jimmy only made four field goals. This can't be the best player on the team. Trading him next year should mm -hmm. be on the table. Not in, We didn't just get this kind of question from Digital Space X one on Twitter. We got yeah. this kind of question from a lot of people who are saying, hey, every video point, we post. At this point, the Heat should trade Jimmy Butler. I don't know that one loss against the Brooklyn Nets. Granted, it's a bad loss going into the All-Star break here. I'm not sure that yeah. this one loss makes me feel like, okay, now time to, it's time to pivot, blow it all up. But I, I, I do wonder if it's something that could be on the table for a lot of reasons, David, not because they lost against Brooklyn tonight, but if the Heat do underperform and it kind of feels like it's going in that direction this season, um, if they do underperform in the playoffs, uh, and you're looking at a team with not a whole lot of options, as we just saw at the trade deadline. Yeah. Maybe the only option would be to trade Jimmy Butler and 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 not necessarily restart, because I don't think they would be doing that as long as Bam Adebayo was on the roster, but uh, reboot a little bit, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, kind of, look, you saw this thing, you're seeing the same model play out in varying degrees in Brooklyn, who just traded yeah. two of their stars and still has a playoff-level roster i think i mean they've got enough great sure. talent there and i don't know what kind of player you'd get in return for a jimmy butler trade but you're also seeing it in utah right they got rid of rudy gobert they got rid of donovan mitchell they're still you, a pretty it, good team you get the you would right be hoping that like utah they got larry markin out of it he went to the all-star game and if mccall bridges is anything like this he'll be in the all-star game next year you're just you would be hoping for a good young player that might not be as good as the player you sent away but is right. good and young and then you and, and some draft picks along with it so a couple of things to consider when you're looking at a Jimmy Butler trade is one, the salary and age are going to be much more difficult to move. If there's anything to be said about look, Kevin Durant is older than Jimmy Butler, but he's better than Jimmy Butler. He's, I mean, so he's Kevin you, Durant. Yeah. Right. So you, you, you can get a lot more in exchange for a player of KD's value yes. and worth than you would Jimmy Butler. Uh, similarly, Donovan Mitchell is probably still better than Jimmy Butler or comparable at least in overall rank because uh, you younger, much more trade value, but yes, nothing but, but yes. green pastures ahead of him in his career. Exactly. So I don't know what you'll get back in a Jimmy Butler trade. So that's one. My two, guess would be, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, no. If My you, guess if would be two, guess here. two young players or like a good young player, like a, like a bridges marketing level player before they, we knew that they were obviously awesome. Um, and, like a rotation player that would help match so, the salaries. Let's say you and, trade him to. Let's say you trade him to Portland. Portland was my first 
kind of Jeffrey Simons, Jeremy Grant in exchange for Jimmy Butler. Is that more or less? Maybe Grant's you know. Grant's on an expiring, so I don't know. Maybe there's a sign and trade there, but then you're hard captured for the Heat. But I, I think if you're, yeah, I think something like Simons and like Nasir Little, and I don't know whatever salary it takes. Um, if you can't get Grant in the deal again with the machinations of the sign and trade stuff, but um, and, and a couple of first rounders that to me makes sense. And maybe there's swaps or some second rounders sprinkled in there, but for the basis of the of the deal, I think it's something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, Pacific Northwesterners love their coffee, so that's a a great place. I didn't for even think about that. What a brand extension that would be for for Jimmy Butler. That's a great idea. He would he would the be, first brick and mortar big face coffee anymore. place. Yeah. <laughs> Taking off all over the Pacific Northwest. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's one thing to consider. But two, also, look, uh, he is he is an important part of this franchise and, and, and etched in the franchise's history. I think over the three seasons that he's been, three and a half now, obviously, but over the th- first three seasons that he's been with the Heat, he's already vaulted into a top five player in Heat history. Maybe top six, let's say. You can make an argument for that. And I don't know that Dwayne Wade. Haslam, Bosch, LeBron, CB, LeBron. Chalmers, and then, and then Jared. Or maybe Alonzo Mourning. I don't know. Uh, either way, he's up there. And I don't know that you can trade a player that's so marketable that kind of restored your franchise to relevance after a couple of seasons of mediocrity between 2016 and 2019. Well, and David, he's still awesome. Like, and he still tonight, is. Tonight, not, like, tonight was not great, but he's still yeah. awesome. I'll, I'll say this. The Miami Heat's problems are not Jimmy Butler, right? They're not. That's not the Miami Heat's issue. The Heat's issue is that there's eight undrafted free agents on this team, and none of them are playing up to par, and that there's not enough talent, and that they don't have a real power forward, and that you've got guys playing out of position, and the wear and tear that comes along with that. That's the Heat's problem. The Heat's problem is that they can't make a three. Jimmy, remember. You remember when he signed the extension after getting you know uh, blown out by the Milwaukee Bucks that playoff series, and people were like, "What are you talking about? Why would you sign him to a, a a contract extension when he was just swept out of the playoffs by the Bucks?" And then, of course, he wound up having a historically yeah. fantastic performance last year. And, so I, and you've got to still think that there's something in there. Like he's still capable of doing that. And you look at every—I know he hasn't played a lot this year, but you look at every advanced metric, and they still love Jimmy Butler. Like he is a legitimate. Yeah. Like he's ranked up there with all NBA guys. Okay, and if he played more games, he would sure. he would have been in the All Star game and probably make an All NBA team this year. The problem is the problem is the Heat need to build around him and and Bam. But the the issue with that is how do you do it? And and as like we just saw at the deadline, when you don't have enough assets and you're kind of cash strapped and and you're dealing with some negative value contracts, it's just really hard to do that. So I think this offseason, it's not just all right, let's go in, blow it up, trade Jimmy Butler for whatever we can get. I think the first step this offseason, and this is a conversation that we are going to have in much more depth, I'm sure, at some point, David, but you go into this offseason and you say, all right, is there a way for us to tweak this roster around Jimmy and Bam to accentuate their skill sets, to space the floor a little bit more, uh, get more size, get more athletic, all these things. And you go that route and you see what you can get. And if that route does not pan out, then you do have to probably at least explore trading Jimmy Butler. And I think you got to do it real quietly. To your point, you can't just trade like an all-timer like that um, uh, that quickly. But um I do think that, unfortunately, given where the Heat are at and how limited they are in terms of flexibility, that it could be something that's on the table this summer, depending on what uh, what happens and how everything else shakes out. But that'll do it for us today. Thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified as soon as new episodes go up. And now make your second listen. 
Game to game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on locked on NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, David. Thanks for joining me. I'm off to Aruba, buddy. Gonna enjoy the All Star break. <laughs> hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.